Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud, as always, <clears throat> we will thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana Hot Sauce is the title sponsor of the Knollcast. They've been with us um, since 2015, 2016, uh, and we're ever so fortunate to uh, be able to work with them. Um, somewhat tied to that, we won't bore you with all the boring details, but we're going to bring back another sponsor of ours, kind of work them into a rotation. The amount of ad reads that we feel is in a podcast uh, that we can do is four. And so we'll kind of work these guys through. But uh, Tarpon Sellers is a brand that we've talked about on this podcast before um, in a strange twist of fate. They're actually the first people to ever reach out to us about sponsoring uh, what would become the Nolcast in 2012. So uh, we've known these two guys for a long time. Uh, excited to be able to work with them again this year. Uh, like we said, we'll put all of our ad reads into a, a bit of a rotation here. But uh, with Mother's Day coming around the corner and uh, all sorts of other things, Tarpon Sellers, people that we've been uh, really fortunate to work with and really excited to continue to work with great wine company started by uh, two Florida state guys, uh, entrepreneurial spirit that I've certainly loved to engage in working with this podcast and all of our sponsors. Great, great guys, great wine. We'll be talking about them moving forward. You can go to Tarpon, T-A-R-P-O-N, seller, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com for more. Again, that's tarponsellers.com. And with that, bud, let's jump into it. I thought you were going to forget the S for a second on sellers. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's early. It's it's early morning. Uh, son was a little, little, uh, little sick last night. So we, we pushed this to uh, to this morning while he's still sleeping. Uh, so a lot to discuss today. Florida State had a scrimmage. We are going to do a game that we have never done on the Nolcast, or at least that we can't remember doing. Have we, have we done this before? I don't I don't think we've ever tried something like this. So it'd be fun, uh, a little bit of a different way to look at uh, kind of where we are with our comfort level projecting towards next year. And uh, hey, you know, if it's if it's great, fantastic. Uh, if you guys hate it, well, we'll always try to, you know, try things. And if they're uh, if they're success, we'll stick with them. If not, uh, we'll move on down the road and keep doing this. If you're if you're at your desk at work or or uh, you know working from home maybe at your kitchen table uh, you know do a lot of folks not being back in the office still uh, grab a pen and paper if you want maybe, maybe play along at home or at least play along mentally in your head and uh, and see who you would have gotten that'll be coming up later in the show um, so the scrimmage when when you saw Derek McClendon and Quayshon Fuller making a lot of plays I just want your instant reaction to that. <laughs> yeah um you know maybe Quayshon Fuller certainly always a kind of a boomer bust prospect in our opinion and, and many others uh maybe he's seen the light uh, McClendon I'll be honest uh has performed better than I thought he would uh coming out of high school and, and has proved to be a more uh, coachable prospect not to say that I didn't think he would but he, they've done more with that than necessarily what I thought uh they were going to be able to honestly I was afraid he was a going to be a victim of, you know, different staffs, different ideas of, of prospects and maybe not be a great fit here. Um, but if you're telling me those guys were two of the more impactful players, then my immediate response was, well, oh, damn. Now, I, I've said this since the beginning of, uh, of spring and the level of variance as to who's guarding who, who's trying to block who can be so high in talent level. Uh, in spring and scrimmages that 
it's hard to really make solid extrapolations about anything. Uh, but if you're telling me that those two guys were two of the more disruptive factors uh, in a scrimmage, then my immediate response is, well, um, I'm a little concerned with, with where we are along the offensive line and whether or not we'll be able to, you know, continue to kind of take a step in that process that we've talked about for two to three years now. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, I just given what we've seen out of those guys, it, it makes you think a little bit because on the one hand, I, I think both of them do have, have ability, right? On the other hand, they, they basically gave you nothing last year and it, it, I, th- I think your mind naturally goes, wait a second, is this more indicative of problems along the offensive line, which Florida State had last year? And you know, we've caught some flack for saying this, but we'll say it again and again and again. Their pass protection last year, when they had to drop back, when they didn't have the benefit of, of an amazing running quarterback in Jordan Travis, was crap. It wasn't any good at all. And you know, my thought is what, what is more likely here that that is still going to be a problem or that question Fuller and Derek McClendon are all of a sudden good players. Hopefully I think for the Knowles, the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? That those guys have improved some, but the offensive line is not still, you know, a massive liability in pass protection, because if it is, I got a second question coming up for you here that, that I'm interested in, in your thoughts on. Um, but I think your, your point about who you're going against is, is quite relevant um, because, I mean, look, Devontae Love Taylor is not playing right now. You know, Robert Scott and you know, Washington, if, they, if you think they are tackle prospects, and I don't really know that they are. I think that they both actually better be suited to play guard. Um, but you know, if you think they're tackle prospects, we, we would both agree they're still you know, works in progress. I, I'm not convinced that Washington and Scott are good players all of a sudden. They might be average players, which would be a step up from where they were last year. I think FSU needs them to take, you know, that step to average. But, um, yeah, man, that's that's a little bit concerning. If, if you had to play – sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just tough, man. I, I mean, I was going to share a, uh anecdotal experience of my own about a, a program not related to – to Florida State. That is between 20, 2009 and 2012. Uh, I attended basically every scrimmage or spring practice uh, possible for Georgia Tech, uh, whether it just be because they were open to the public or uh, I was working at 680, uh, the fan here in Atlanta at the time, and would use a credential. I'm not sure that anything that I took away from uh, from the spill, skill position guys were was ever able to really be extrapolated to what was coming uh, the following season. And, and to an extent, a little bit more, um, uh, you can learn a little bit more along the line of scrimmage, uh, but really it's just uh, we're all in, have such a desire for information and to try to figure out where people are in this process that, you know, you get these little snapshots of information or perceived idea uh, as to where guys are <clears throat> and they become bigger, you know, bigger extrapolation in the fan base's mind or, or people's ideas to where folks are going to be. I just have a, uh, you know, what'd you say last night when we were talking that the ideal, maybe the ideal blend of this is what 85% of what I know about a kid, 15% of maybe the jump that I think he could have made uh, in his progress. I, I just think sometimes yeah. you'll, 
see a stat line, you'll hear a scrimmage recap that this defensive end was dominant or whatever else. And all of a sudden people's extrapolations from that uh, will be something that's just not necessarily warranted based off a one-off practice setting. Yeah. I, like, you know, some of the guys that we had heard were really committing and making big jumps in the weight room, you know, are dudes who have been flashing in the scrimmages specifically, you know, one of my guys told me, Hey, the Mississippi state transfers love it. And, yeah. and, and the DB are, are really like really transforming their bodies. They look different. They're playing well. And so when I know that, when I know that they had good pedigrees as recruits and look, so did McClendon and Fuller. Uh, and I hear positive things about their work ethic, you know, in, in the weight room. And then I also see them doing that in scrimmage and they, I know they actually played important roles on the team last year, even if they didn't have great seasons, uh, as opposed to guys who really couldn't get off the bench, you know, then that, that gives me some signs. Um, or some encouraging, you know, thoughts about the defense, but yeah, I think for the most part, you know, you need to go back to your priors and recognize that some jumps are made in one season in college football, because guys are still developing for sure. And, and huge jumps are possible, but they're not probable and they're not super likely. And you're not likely to have a bunch of guys on the team make huge, make, make huge jumps year over year, which is why I think this is a, a long-term uh, rebuild process. Let me ask you this. I think you know this is coming because we talked about this last night. If you had to line up and play a game tomorrow, given this team's strengths and weaknesses, who's the quarterback if you had to win a game in, like, like tomorrow in spring? I have a hard time giving you anything other than maybe the answer that we, we threw out there 10 days ago or so. I mean, I think it's Jordan Travis. I, I love the uh, reports from Rotomaker and the progression that he appears to have made and people whose football opinions I value uh, talking about what they've seen as far as a ball coming out of his hand. Uh, but that's not your starting quarterback at this point. Certainly I would have to see a lot more. And um, obviously, you know, McKenzie Milton was brought in for a reason. And that's something that in time, uh, you know, you very much hope to get right. And I don't think, uh, let me stop from saying, I was going to say, I don't think anybody was going to win this job in the spring. Um, maybe they were just going to enter it as the number one option. Um, and maybe it's possible for somebody, or maybe it was possible, but look, we're going to have a quarterback competition, Travis, if you do have real problems at off its line, certainly gives you the most opportunity to mask those problems and still have, um, you know, big play uh, potential while at the same time running a, an offense that's not ultimately what you want to do. Uh, Milton, if healthy and continues to pick up the systems, probably the guy that you want to go with. And that's why you bring in somebody like that. Um, but, you know, Rotomakers continued to, uh, continue to progress. And uh, I'm always going to be hesitant of spring uh, reports, as I just mentioned a second ago, I'm particularly going to be hesitant when I know you are a somewhat heady player. I mean, I've talked about this a lot. I won't bore you with my own personal stories, but look, if you're a smart guy and you see the same team and the same roster and <laughs> you know, what's in front of you, it, it can be a, you know, being a practice all American as possible. I'll put it that way. Uh, so I would love to see more of Rotomaker and a, you know, game-like setting before I fully buy in. But if we're playing a game tomorrow uh, and I'm making the decision uh, at this point, I'm still going with uh, Jordan Travis and, and going with Jordan Travis pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, for I, I agree with you on, on that. Uh, I, I think the offensive line 
has decided that Rodemaker can't be your starter this year. I mean, it's encouraging that he's doing some good things, and maybe down the line he'll have a chance to play. Um, but you got to think about who you don't have here. I mean, there are people in this program who think Destin Hill might be your best receiver on the team this year as a true freshman who didn't early enroll. Read into that what you will, whether it is a commentary about his ability, a commentary about the condition of the current receivers on the roster, or both. Andrew Parchment is also not on campus. He's a guy who does have some ability. I'm confident in my my thought here is that the, the receiver room is going to be better come the fall. You know, the issue is we had somebody tweet at us, and I, I forget who it was, but like I, I looked at it and said, we, we need to address this on the show. And they said, look, if you're just going to have a power run game and a quick passing game with, with Mackenzie Milton. And my thought was, what evidence do we have this team can have a power run game if it doesn't have an 11-man run game? By 11-man run game, I mean a run game where the defense really has to respect the QB's legs like it did with Jordan last year, which changes your angles. We, we, we saw this, right? FSU could not line up and pound the football when James Blackman was under center, just didn't have the guys to do so. Uh, but when Jordan Travis got under there, it could, not just because Travis could run the ball, but because the defense had to really respect Travis running the ball, so it created better numbers, better leverage, better angles for you. Given the receivers you have right now who are very kind of below league average, I would say, um, and there's probably a separate topic to, you know, the conversation we had about their development so far, uh, but one that we should probably put off until they at least get a full offseason without coronavirus. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think if you had to play in the spring, it would have to be Jordan Travis because uh, the one thing you know this team can do, I think, to win the games it has to win, in my opinion, is to line up and run the ball with a running quarterback. Now, that has an absolute ceiling on it. There are certain teams that just that won't work against. But there's. I also think it might have a higher floor. The ceiling with Milton is clearly higher than it is with Travis. But I think the floor might be lower, too, given the pass protection and receiver woes. Yep. No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously it's something we're going to continue to look at. <clears throat> Mackenzie Milton is a big name in the college football world. There's a reason you brought him in. Um, ultimately, I think he'll be your starter, but uh, there's a, a long way to go in that process. And <clears throat> uh, not necessarily something we were going to talk about. So I'll make this real quickly. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a guy in my mid thirties. I grew up with the late nineties teams uh, as, you know, just, everything in the world that you could hope for as a teenager cheering for college football. And, and a long way of saying that uh, love Ron Dugans, love that he's a local guy, love that he came back, love the work that he did uh, in the recruiting class previously in the transition year, really kept that together. Um, consistent, <laughs> uh, consistent pick at his job performance over the years is just, there's been a ton of drops from his unit and uh, man, you, that's something that's been present this spring. That's something that's got to get cleared up. I mean, there, there's only so many opportunities that uh, you're going to have this wide receiver talent is, is pedestrian at best uh, right now. Um, maybe that'll get a little bit more explosive as the younger guys get in the system and um, you know, Hill gets in, but uh, that's a unit that as 
kind of simple as they are right now, cannot afford to drop the football nearly at the rate that they are. And uh, that's something that's going to have to get cleaned up. No doubt about it. All right. So you want to go to, to the game? Yeah, man, let's do it. So we want to do a kind of a auction style um, look at the 2021 season and schedule. So, um, you know, not all that different than, win probabilities but pretty different in how we'll express it and there'll probably be a little bit of strategy here that i'm sure bud's outthought me on this game before we get a chance to even jump into it as far as the angles that he's going to take on it but but i'll let you explain the details to our listeners and hopefully this is fun hopefully this is something that people can follow along with uh we enjoy you know leads to good radio slash podcasting and uh something we can find ways to incorporate moving forward and, you know, Agrip, given the competitive real estate market right now, if you, if you happen to be in the market for a, uh, for a, for a home and you may, may be going to an auction, you could really use the power of legendary home loans behind you. Give, give Chad and Shannon a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. I believe we're closing in on, what, 150 NOLCAST listeners who have got their, their home loan or their refi through the legendary team. It's awesome customer service, great rates. These guys are the best, in my opinion. I've used them twice. I know a lot of my personal friends and and, and listeners have as well. I mean, I consider all y'all my friends, but uh, like a lot of y'all have as well. And uh, we really appreciate your support for our sponsor. Uh, but it's not just because we tell you to, to, to use them. They, they really are great. 844-FSU loan. Give them a call. So the rules of the game. Ingram and I are both putting up $100 of our own money. The goal is to get as many wins as possible and we are literally auctioning the various games on the schedule so nobody can win but like we we can't both win jacksonville state right we can't both win um you know umass we can't both win clemson if we happen to for some reason want to there are no zero dollar bids so if we run out of money we run out of money and, and the remaining games are just not uh just not on the schedule I mean, I, I think if any of us come out of this with four wins, we're feeling like really, really probably pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously, because we're splitting them up. I'm not saying if you're going to win four, ga- four games only this year. I'm just saying, you know, between the two of us, if anybody thank, has. Thank you for that clarification. Okay. I, I can yeah, see the, you know. the iTunes reviews populating <laughs> as you talked there, bud. Uh, oh, man. Um, all right. So are you uh, are you ready here? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. All right. So Notre Dame. I'm going to start Notre Dame with a $3 bid. And this is the Notre Dame game. So we're only bidding on FSU winning. We're not like we're not picking FSU's opponents to, to win. $3 bid. Uh, I'll go to four. I'll go. I'll go five. Six. Okay. Uh. I'll go to eight. I'll let you have it at eight. All right. Bud takes Notre or Bud takes FSU over Notre Dame for eight dollars. Uh next week it, it, it is your bid, Jacksonville State. Where, where do you want to open this puppy? <laughs> um open with 20. Is that fair? I mean, I, I don't yeah, think man. we should just sit here and do one dollar. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's a poor listener experience, I, I think, to, to hear us bid that up. All right. Uh, I'll go, I'll go 21. 25. Okay, I'll go. I'll go twenty-eight. 
31. 30, 34. 35. I'll go 36. 37. Take it. Nice. Okay. That's Ingram with 37. All right. So to recap, I have I have the FSU over Notre Dame for $8. You have FSU over Jacksonville State for $37, which means I have $92 left and you have $63 left. But that's that's probably pretty well spent, to be honest. Um, okay. Next week, FSU travels to Wake Forest, BB&T Field. Uh, Wake Forest brings back a, a you know, a decent amount of, of returning experience this year uh, and should be a, a, a decent team. Not a team that FSU, if they were in their dynasty days, would really worry about, but certainly a game that I feel like FSU uh, needs to needs to get a victory over you know, this year. Uh, I will start the bidding. Florida State for, what did I go, $8 on Notre Dame. So I'll go Florida State for, for 10 at Wake. 12. All right, I will go 13. 14. 15. 16. I'll go 17. I think I'll let you have it at 16 or 17. All right, 17. Bud gets FSU over Wake Forest. All right, man, you're up. <laughs> All right, so uh, we will go to the Louisville game. Louisville travels to Doak Campbell on September 25th. Do I start us off on this one? Yeah, yeah. you, you got to call out your opening bid. What, what, what are we going to bid? $9. That's a pretty good bid. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 14 15 I'm going to go 16. Seventeen. Ooh, okay. I will go I'll go 18. And it's yours. All right, so Bug gets Louisville for 18. Right, dude, I'm I'm running out of Well, no, I guess not. I mean, we we basically spent about the same amount. Right, um, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, well, you, yeah, you you have you have six more dollars left than I do. All right, so next up here, I feel like this might be an expensive item. Syracuse, uh, which was the worst team in the conference last year by a whole lot, they come to Tallahassee. It's family weekend, uh, which is basically parents' weekend, right? They just call it fa- family weekend now. Um, you get to see all the parents wear the ridiculous outfits that don't really fit and sit in the stands with, with the kids, hopefully assuming that the stadium is, you know, fully open in the fall. Uh, I'm going to start the bidding here on Syracuse at $26. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I'll let you have it for $26. $26. All right. I'm taking Syracuse for 26 Boom! Look at that. Just that, that was a what? What, what auctioneers call it? You, you froze the room, I guess. This means I only have thirty-one dollars left. 
Yes. Um, which to means recap, I'll be getting a certain game that uh, is yeah. a is a, a rather decent win probability here. So happy about that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. So Syracuse, just to, to fill some airtime here, they, they really have some quarterback issues. Um, they have major offensive line issues. They also had a couple really important defensive players transfer out. And uh, I mean, I, I just I'm not sure things are going to work out there for Syracuse. This is a, a game that I really expect FSU to win. All right, man. The next one, the, the, I'm interested in this to, to see see where we go on this game because I, I could see it going one of two ways. Next game is uh, October 9th. Florida State gets up, travels to the uh, Triangle area of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, October 9th against North Carolina. Um, I'll start the bidding at three dollars. Take it. Yep. Three, three, yeah, that, that's actually the number I had. I was going to go to. I, I thought about it. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll give. I'll go three dollars on on that one. That's that's going to be tough, man. I, I I've been doing a lot of research on, on this for for cover three. We had to you know do our, our opponent preview series. Well, it's FSU's opponent preview series basically, but it's the ACC you know spring gleaning series. And uh, the one thing that I think North Carolina is going to have a whole lot more of this year is is quality defensive line depth. They, they had some key guys out when they played FSU last year along the defensive line, and uh, FSU took advantage of that. I thought, especially early in the game, that they, they didn't have you know, some of their studs. But FSU, to their credit, you know, really took it to them. Um, probably won't overlook FSU this year. Not saying they did last year, but I, I think the, the they'll have they'll have North Carolina's full attention, I, I would guess, given that they, you know, they beat them last year uh so it so i'm up now um all right man we have we have umass umass is coached by walt bell umass is really really not a good team um they were basically like a traveling rent to win last year <laughs> they, they, they would they would come and play you if you paid them enough uh <laughs> unlike their their fellow a New England counterpart, uh, UConn, who the New York Times declared the national champion because they avoided COVID, which, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> that, that, but that's very on point for New York Times. Um, okay, so I'm going to go – I'm going to go $40. Actually, wait. No, I can't say, do that. I can't yeah, do that. Was, that's that's an overbid on, on my part um, because I, I can't uh, – I've already spent six sixty nine dollars. Yeah, so go ahead and give me uh, go ahead and give me UMass for thirty one. Yeah, thirty two, and it's mine. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that was that was a nice bid there, sir. Uh, yeah, UMass is is one of the the real guaranteed wins here. I, I would have to think. Um, so that now this is interesting, right? So we've had. Just to, to recap real fast, you have Jacksonville State and UMass for 37 and 32, and you have North Carolina for three, which means you've spent $72. I have the Syrac- win over Syracuse for 26, Louisville for 18, Wake Forest for 17, and Notre Dame for eight. Um, I mean, I think if you had to kind of handicap this, I, I feel like we are probably kind of even right now. You know, I feel very good about FSU getting two wins out of the four. You got to feel really good about FSU giving, you know, getting two wins out of the three you bought, especially since you spent $69 on two games. Uh, nice, I guess. I should nice. There. nice. Although history has told us 
<clears throat> rare are the guaranteed wins easy for this program right now uh, this is so. true I, I, if if these two aren't aren't guaranteed wins i'm um well oh man I, I don't think about that label me scarred from watching uh, a sanford game from the hills of montana uh as it was you know frozen every four seconds and just not being able to process what I was seeing on my phone. And, Is it the uh, watch ESPN experience on the phone? Calling you the next morning being like, oh, uh, oh man. <laughs> so bad. What the hell, man. So, yeah. But, yes, that's where we are. Uh, we've got five games left here. Um, you are up with uh, with with chance to nominate Clemson. Clemson Tigers. Um, I'll say a dollar, and I think it may be mine for that. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bid one dollar. Um but the game is at Clemson. Um, just not one of those games, in my opinion, that FSU has a real chance of blocking the opponent, right? Like, I, I just, I don't think they can win that game because physically, I, I think they'll get they'll get their butts kicked up front, probably on both sides of the ball, but definitely the offensive line. Uh, so yeah, Ingram has Clemson went over Clemson for a dollar. That's that's not a terrible lottery ticket to, to to pull for a buck. You know, if you got stuck with it for two or something, you know, like if you didn't bid enough money in your other games, I, I could certainly see. You know, see that happening. Um, all right, so I am up now, and here's one that will uh, this will probably go for for a decent amount. NC State, NC State, a team that they do have to come to Doak. I I think they're going to be a pretty damn good team this year. They return an awful lot. Uh, they bullied FSU at the line of scrimmage last year. Most of those guys are back, and I look. Their quarterback, Devin Leary, didn't play against the Knowles last year. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I'm, I'm fairly high on this NC State team, but the wins have to come from somewhere, and I also think this Knowles team will be an improved team. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start the bidding here at $11. Mm, okay. 12. I'll go, I'll go 13. It's yours at 13. 13. All right. So that means I have now spent $82 of my money, and uh, you spent 73 Just to recap, you have Jacksonville State for 37 UMass for 32 North Carolina for 3 Clemson for 1 and I have Cuse for 26 Louisville for 18 Wake for 17 NC State for 13 and Notre Dame for 8 All right. Now, I'm interested to see what, what we pay for this win. It is a rivalry. Uh, it is a rivalry, most certainly. Uh, just sitting here and re-staring at this schedule. Uh, not to you know, have a conversation from five weeks ago, but good Lord, having that double buy basically in the middle of the years. Wish you could throw it in a weekend down here. Uh, but, okay, November 13th, uh, Miami travels to Tallahassee. I'll start uh, with a dollar. Oh, okay. I will go. I'll go three dollars. Four. I'll go. I don't want to go here. I'll go five. It's yours. All right. Miami four five. All right, Ingram, so you have uh, $27 left. I have $13 left. So 
I, I see what you're doing here. Now I look at the board and, and I, I get it. I, I, I feel, I feel like you think of reg- some regression is going to come to this next team. I would guess. Uh, and I, that I is tried the, to cluster my win opportunities. Certainly. Uh, I, you have more certainty than I do. I I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, if the season goes South, you're winning this thing for sure. If, if it, if, it, if, it, if we have a good season, then I, I think I probably take because I, I have more bites at the apple so far, given that I've drafted uh, six teams and you drafted four. All right. So Florida State travels to Boston College. BC last year, I, I don't think that they were as good as their numbers showed. Um, you know, their defense was, was really kind of crappy. Their offense was good at times, also inconsistent. At times, but they 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 caught some nice close game luck, and uh, and you know, not every team can say that. November twentieth, so this is kind of sandwiched between uh, you know two huge rivalry games with Miami on the front end and, and Florida on the back end. Um, and it's in Boston. It is in Boston. Is, you know, hopefully you get friendly weather in November. Sometimes it's already cold as hell. Uh, and do you have? bunch of kids from Florida and South Georgia disappointed with where their season's gone and, and not necessarily loving playing in cold weather. Um, and you know, maybe it's even a, a nooner or something like that. So, um, this will be an interesting game. Definitely. Uh, all right. I will bid $13. Yeah. So I'll bid 14. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, so you take it because that was my max bid. So now we are both at $87. Now that basically means that we probably underbid some of these other games, which we'll, we'll discuss post-auction because we only have one game left and we both have $13 left. So yeah, one of us underbid one of these for sure. I probably did. Um, BC, for 14, I think is a hell of a pick. Just full disclosure here. Uh, I, I had Boston College on my sheet. Like I would pay 17 or 18. Right. And so to say, maybe we underbid it or maybe we just didn't have enough at the end to go. Like you would have stretched it further than you yeah, did. Uh, for sure. The only reason it went at 14 was because that's a number that you couldn't match. Um, and so- I probably should have paid 38 for Jacksonville State. You know, I, 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 I let you have that for 37. And, um, just in hindsight here, right? Like I, I had Jacksonville State 37, UMass 37. I think they're basically both locks. Um, you getting UMass for 32 is was a nice steal. But I didn't have the money at the time. Yeah. my so, when, we, when Bud thought of this last night, I'll give you credit and called me. And my strategy was basically to try to win the games that I, you know, could that I thought Florida State would win. And then I wanted a little bit left over for this Florida game. I think there's probably more chance of success than Bud does here. And it's pure. It, it ain't based from micro. I'll put it that way. It's it's a macro idea. And when I mean that <laughs> is when I say micro, I mean if you go and look at who Florida's defensive line players are and you look at some of the Jimmy's and Joe's on that roster, not particularly optimistic. And I'm not optimistic on a whole, but I, th- I think I might be a little bit more than you. Uh, I, I've talked about this before. Uh, just something doesn't feel necessarily right at Florida to me. I could see that team being a very uh, having a disappointing season and, and kind of limping into the end of the season. Again, I'm not, I wouldn't, 
have spent a lot of money on it, uh, but I did want a little bit more to try to have exposure to that game. Um, I think it's maybe a chance Florida State grabs that one in a year that we don't think they have a chance to. But that was uh, that was where I was going with the back end of the schedule. So are you going what, – what, what's your bid? Um, so I'm not going above $7 on it, but – that's all right, I'll go 13. I'm... It's all the money I had left. Right, so I get yeah. <laughs> uh, Dude, I thought you were going to go... beat you. I so... thought you were, were going to go opening bid of 13 and freeze me because we both had the same amount of dollars. Yeah, that's left. true. That, that if I was a, a smart guy, I would have done this, that. This but, is a uh, copy hadn't really hit yet moment on the Nolk. <laughs> or I don't, I mean, is it, uh, I, I guess, is it advantageous to leave you with that ticket uh, in a game that I, you know, don't necessarily think they're going to win, but maybe more optimistic than some? Uh, but so yeah man well you know we'll continue to tinker with that I, I enjoyed that it's a different way of looking at it uh fun to have a little bit of game strategy in uh the predictions of the season and uh, you know good on you for coming up with something a little bit outside the box there we were gonna draft it but I figured like drafting it would be uh maybe not as fun and we draft stuff a lot anyway so I don't know if you guys enjoyed this let us know um you know, if you didn't also let us know, let us know where we went wrong. Um, in recapping this, I mean, man, you could have got, you could have really just gone Jacksonville state, UMass Syracuse for basically all your money. Like, would you rather have Syracuse? Let's just think about this 69. Like, would you rather have Syracuse for, 31 and that'd basically be all, all, all the cash you spent or would you rather have the, the trio of boston college unc clemson um probably just syracuse probably uh, i mean it's worth having a, a little bit of exposure to some of those uh games where you don't really think you have much of a chance in my opinion but no if i, if I was wise i probably would have hyper focused into three or four games yeah, I should have I should have spent more on Jack State. That's that that, that, that kind of set the tone for the whole thing. Because if, if you get that, you feel really really good, you know, about about where your where your draft is, or where your auction is rather. Cool. All right. Uh, so what do we have now on the rundown? We have. Um, Oh, you want to talk about something really positive, like the spring game visitor list? Yeah, I mean, I, I want All the to. The staff expects. <laughs> I realize that some are of the belief that we're not the most positive podcast out there. I, I would say that that's, uh, you know, we to try to address this with a lot of reality and try to be honest with you guys. But if that's what your take of the podcast wants to be, I certainly understand it. Um, I'm I'm having to control myself with some of the optimism that I feel about Florida state's recruiting right now. I, I think they may be on the verge of being a super hot team. Um, it's, it, I think we're contractually obligated at this point to mention Travis Hunter in, in each podcast. And that's a contractual obligation. I'm more than happy to hit. Um, man, I don't know um, that I can even quantify this exactly, but I don't know that there's been a guy with more juice as a prospect in a long, long time. I don't know that there's a guy uh, that is going to have as much of an ability to be an impact recruiter uh, that we've necessarily seen this uh, from a Florida State perspective. If Hunter, and it certainly sounds like he's going to be there, but if Hunter 
is on site for the spring game and you get some of these kids that are already publicly declaring to come to it, man, Florida state could be on the verge of really cooking with grease here in 22 and uh, it's 23 is a long time. And you're going to have to have two seasons in front of these guys before they sign. But uh, 23 is shaping up as a potential pretty special year as well. Yeah, it is. So they, they have a really nice, you know, list of kids coming to the spring game. I, so a, I, I, I do think that, you're exactly right. Like they wouldn't have Sam call w- without Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter. We, we can talk about the job at coaches are doing, and they are doing a, a very strong job overall, specifically with Sam McCall. They didn't have any traction with Sam McCall before, before, before Travis Hunter got in his ear and got him to commit. All right. Like he wasn't mentioning FSU at all. And yeah, there was some perfect storm stuff ha- happened there with, with, with you know, Florida letting, letting, uh, letting coach gray go. Um, but Travis Hunter is a hell of a recruiter. Uh, really interesting to me is that he's doing this in a time uh, in which, I mean, it, it's a there's a pandemic going on, and a lot of kids have never met him in person, and they're seeing him just based off his viral highlights and based off kind of like the you know the internet legend that is Travis Hunter right now. So you know that that's that's pretty big, um, and for him to be a non quarterback and do this too, I think is is noteworthy because usually like you're best guys you see this are uh you know are are quarterbacks um yeah man like there's some really good names on, on the list i also want, want to give credit speaking of quarterbacks um to you know qb commit nico marchio who is doing a very nice job recruiting for them expecting to see you know elite receiver kevin coleman at the game fsu also i think very smartly did this you know thing where it's open to the public, so all these recruits can come, right? right. Uh, that's that's uh, that's a really smart strategy. They, they've used that to, to great effect for the first two spring scrimmages um, and some of the practices as, as well. Um, so, I mean, like, I also think that their targeting here is is appropriate, and this is a conversation I, I know I've had with guys on the staff, right? You 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 go after super studs like Nigel Lee Kelly, who's committed to you. Right. But you also are going after guys who you think help your roster. But if you finish in that sort of five and seven to seven and five range, which I think is probably the most likely range for this team. Um, I'm not going to address four and eight. Cause I feel like that just totally screws your whole strategy. Uh, but like, like, I think if you finish in that range, you could get and keep, an offensive lineman like Kaniah Charlton, right? Or like a Dr. Richardson. Th- those are, are good names that will help your program. They are good players. They are not, pr- they're probably not players who you have to worry about, you know, flipping somewhere else if you get them committed, right? I, I think getting Bishop Thomas up would be a big time thing. I-, I know the staff is trying to get him up for the game. The linebacker group they have coming up is, is really, really nice. And, by the way, they offered uh, Nick Cole, the the defensive back out of Georgia, who I mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago. I, I like him a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just really electric film. They, they seem to be in a very nice position with with a lot of these guys. And look, also I think you know they kind of have this spring game weekend largely themselves, don't they? I'm, I'm yep. looking at uh, spring game dates 2021. Yeah, there's not a ton of competition. Uh, Brilliant. Still giving them a lot of credit for oh, yeah. one putting it there and two, uh, you know, getting 
you know, one of one of the silliest aspects of recruiting under the current structure is <laughs> is some of the challenges and getting kids to campus and some of the games that have to be played. Uh, Florida State's done a really good job of, of getting kids, one, creating a situation where they can come, as you noted, uh, two, getting kids onto campus. And, hey, look, if you're a listener to ours and you're not wanting to talk about 2023 kids on in March of 21, I certainly understand it. If Florida State is really on the verge of getting a commitment from Raymond Cottrell, I mean that is a that's a wide receiver prospect that helps you win games. I mean, that's a six foot three, two hundred and five pound kid who's I don't know that he's going to be a five star. You're certainly a more uh, appropriate uh, person to speak on that than I am. But that's a big big time kid uh, who's from Milton, so Milton's just outside of Pensacola. There, Panhandle kid. Tons he was of work at to he do. was at the last scrimmage. Uh, but yeah, that would be a massive commitment if it were to come to fruition. Yeah, I I, I think Cottrell is a good player, and I mean he did tweet out that he'd be committing like after his season ended. So I I were I wonder if he kind of you know saw some of the predictions coming in and, and said, hey, I need, I need to pump the brakes on this a little bit. But they they are doing a good job, right? They they have to find a way to to scratch you know and claw and get to a bowl game this year. I think if they want to have this all pulled together. Uh, but they're, they're doing a good job, man. And I think a lot of this comes back to last year they were at a major disadvantage because of the fact they were a new staff and because of the fact that they didn't get to meet any of these kids in person where other staffs did in prior years. So at least those staffs had you know, some sort of in-person relationship. Like half of FSU's class, they never met in person. that They just signed, or about, about half. That's a, that's a crazy thing to say. Now, the thing is, almost none of these college coaches have ever met these kids in person for the 2022 class, or especially the 2023 class. They, they don't know. So you're just on a more even playing field now because you're not having that disadvantage. People at least you know, are more likely to know who you are. Not because you've done anything on the field, but because you've been reaching out consistently over Zoom, you've put in that work, you know, you, you've, you've had a good messaging plan, you know, you're, you're, you're somewhat better organized. I think you're doing an okay job of getting on kids early. Certain kids, yes. Certain kids, I, I think, you know, uh, maybe some more, some more teamwork required just from, from what I hear. But they're doing a good job, man. And, you know, I'm not going to build this thing up and say they're going to sign a top five class because that's really – you know, really largely dependent on what they do on the field. And look, Notre Dame is one of their non-conference games. That's not a great year to have that, to be honest. But they're doing a good job. I, I think that they're going to get a recruiting class that will really improve the roster quite a bit. And I mean, it, it's it's an important class for them, as I know some of our, our listener questions suggest. Certainly. Uh, we're, uh, um, I don't want to say running long, but you've got a hard out and there's only so much things we can get to. So real quickly uh, on the basketball team, disappointing loss. Hey, look, you ran into a number one seed. They were playing well. Certainly didn't get any help from the officials. Um, disappointing way to exit a tournament. Definitely just kind of highlights uh, for me. Uh, hey, look, this is not necessarily the high water mark for Florida State basketball, but it certainly is a one uh, you were gifted 
two really substantial opportunities to win an ACC title, both in a regular season conference and the uh, ACC tournament game. So that's something that, you know, whether it be two days, two years from now, I think we'll look back and have a little bit of a disappointment. But And what was always going to be a bridge here, Florida State makes it to the Sweet 16, gets bounced. Uh, be fascinating to see what returns uh, on the roster uh, for next year. And next year uh, shapes up to be a, a team that, on the appearances, uh, will be able to challenge for, you know, maybe going a little bit further and, and hopefully conference, uh, capturing a conference title. But that was the basketball season. Disappointing ending, but uh, Michigan was on another level. And, you know, you got the feeling that you could have played that game for another 30 or 40 minutes and Florida State was never going to be necessarily competitive in it. So uh, good season. We'll see what comes to it, but that will be that for basketball. Indeed. All right. So uh, you want to go to uh, you want to go to listener questions here? Yeah. Scott, we'll st- or, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we'll start off with Scott, see how many of these we can get to. Uh, Scott says, as much as I love how much success Florida State's had in basketball over the last few years, it's uh, forced me to do uh, it's unfortunately forced me to do something I've always hated to do, which is to watch college basketball. Okay. I know this is partly due to how much NBA basketball I watch, but my goodness is college basketball, a terrible product. Not only are the players not good at basketball, the officiating is terrible at best and uh, farcical at worst. And my friends and I argue that it doesn't make sense that I love college football as much as I do uh, when you can make the exact arguments against it compared to the NFL and they aren't wrong. So my question in all of this, am I insane for preferring the NBA over college basketball, but prefer college football over the NFL? No, no. definitely not insane, Scott. I mean, you know, we all scratch our, our itches and sports, uh, how they come and, you know, what you want. And if you're looking for elite talent <clears throat> and a more polished version, obviously you're going to find that uh, in the NBA. I do agree with you that uh, officiating, particularly at the college level, uh, is horrible in level of consistency that is laughable. Uh, but no, man, I, I see it. And I also think it's more, um, let's see. So if I love Florida State and my attachments to Florida State, then I may love college football. Uh, if I'm just kind of a street, you know, uh, just kind of an average day sports fan, but I want to dabble in watching soccer, well, me personally, I'd probably watch the best leagues in the world because that's kind of if I'm going to watch a sport, like that, then I'll probably want to watch it at its highest level. Maybe that's the situation uh, for you in basketball and and football, but you're not uncommon to where, you know, you have one preference over the other uh, and it was not necessarily matching up when you compare your allegiances in college basketball and football. So, yeah, I think there's, first of all, you nailed it. Second of all, I think something else to consider here is that the NBA is a more exciting product. Than, than college basketball. Whereas I think it's very easy to argue that college football is a more exciting product than the NFL is as far as, you know, action and scoring, right? College football is much more, much higher scoring than the NFL, whereas the NBA is much higher scoring uh, than college, both in terms of overall points and also points per minute since the NBA games are, are obviously longer. Uh, I think a good part of that is, uh, Basically, the talent, the quality of play, certainly much better shooters in the NBA um, than, than they are in college. But also, like one of the things we like watching in college football is the scheme diversity. Like people run really different stuff. In the NFL, 
there's a lot more kind of you know homogeneity, right? Like like the, everybody runs something pretty similar within reason because you have all these free agents going elsewhere and you have all these guys you pick up off the practice squad and they have to run something, you know, pretty similar. The other issue is that like the guys who get to the NBA are typically like the level of offense is higher in the NBA. That's sort of one of the differentiators. Can you, can you get your own shot, create your own shot and then hit your own shot Um, in college? The offensive talent, is typically better than the defensive talent, right? And then with the funnel to the NFL, what we see is that the the defensive player gets better. The windows to throw, you know, are are smaller. Um, so no, I don't think it's crazy at all because college football has has well, okay, not that college basketball doesn't have different schemes because they do, but typically I actually think like the the different the difference in scheme in college football creates more excitement and more scoring and exciting plays and, you know, explosive plays. Whereas the, the teams that are really creative in college are like Virginia and Syracuse, and they are doing things that are not like that. They, yeah. they run things that are kind of grinding out efficiencies, but not in an exciting way. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, Certainly. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on that. Well said. We'll uh, we'll thank our friends at Madison Social here real quickly. They've been with us since day one, and uh, you know whether it be going for a burger, Madso, or <clears throat> uh, just stopping by for a beer at Township. We've always loved uh, being able to partner with them. But uh, their their next project, I'm not sure. You know, maybe may too classy for two guys like you and I. I don't know. But they've uh, they've paired with. Uh, with Marriott and they're actually doing a rooftop bar in Tallahassee. It's going to be a fantastic addition uh, to the scene there. So would just draw your attention to that as it comes online. I think there's still a couple months away from that, but ultimately it will be um, at the AC hotel at the Tallahassee universities uh, in the uh, garden center there. Fancy. It is Matt, uh, Matt and those guys stepping out, getting fancy here. It's yeah, going to be very, very cool. Yeah. You can go to their social media feed, see some of the raw kind of as they're building it, putting it together right now, but uh looks like it's going to be a fantastic addition, something that will be online for football season. I'll just go ahead and plant the seed in the back of people's heads now. Um, that's pretty cool. I am a Marriott guy, so um, I'm, I'm going to hit that up. That'll, that'll be pretty awesome. Okay, so uh, Matt says, apologies to Treshawn Ward for uh, foobarring his name last time. Uh, Matt, no problem. I think that was actually one of the more entertaining aspects of that pod. Uh, what are you guys hearing about the defensive back development? Specifically, I'm interested in Demari Tate, Bernardo Green, and Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, yeah, on those guys, there's been a lot of injuries, unfortunately, and or, or at least not a, a lot of things that have kept them out from fully participating is my understanding. Let me put it that way. Um, I still think that, uh, you know, regard Renardo green's a pretty impactful piece of this defense and certainly looked better when he was in there last year. Uh, I think if healthy, that can be a, a real reason for optimism. Uh, you know, awful lot of people are real high on Tate for good reason. Uh, I'll just wait and see that come to fruition. Uh, I'm not saying that as some kind of, comment that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I think he's a really talented guy. Uh, but right now for at least the first two of those guys, not a whole lot of development going on. Cause we're not, you know, not a whole lot of participation. Yeah. And Brownlee, man, I, I gotta say, well, first of all, I, I understand your skepticism on Tate. I think his, his ability is, is off the chart, but 
you know, he was an academic redshirt the first year, and then this year he's been banged up. So you really haven't been able to see much. Um, with Brownlee, they, they love Brownlee. He's, he's already a pretty solid player. Like he's getting better in coverage, and a dude is going to be an important part of this defense. I mean, they, they brought in all these transfers with, uh, you know, Moore and Robinson and McClellan. And like, I, I think Moore is going to have a chance to be a, a potential starter. I, I think Robinson is probably going to be your starter at the nickel. I think Brownlee right now probably has an inside track to be one of your corner starters. He's a good player. And I mean, granted, like I'm biased. I'm a huge fan of Brownlee. I've, I've been one since he was, you know, a junior in high school. Uh, but I, Jarvis Brownlee's my guy. He's he's a good player, I I, I think. And, and a guy who cares, likes football, you know, cares about winning, cares about playing the game the right way. So I'm I'm all in on Jarvis Brownlee. Austin has our next question. Austin writes, can you each name a recruiter to that is absolutely necessity and it's absolutely a necessity for Florida State to sign in your <clears throat> uh, opinion, uh, excluding Travis Hunter? Uh, context, if these players aren't signed, <laughs> we're pretty much doomed for an even longer rebuild. So um, I, I don't necessarily It's a little early for this, I would say. doomed, uh, but I would use the recruitment of Nigel Kelly as a decent barometer. Things change in recruiting all the time, um, but as recently as maybe a week ago or so, the Florida State staff privately was still fairly confident about being able to go through this whole process. Obviously, tons of work to be done and a long time to do it, uh, but that's a kid that's blown up. We've we've always kind of laughed at his rating uh, and you know dismissed as just another three-star um, while obviously acknowledging that he is not. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a, that will be a decent test uh, for these guys. I'm not saying they're not going to keep Sam McCall, but I wouldn't, if, if McCall decommits, I wouldn't lose your head. I mean, that's a guy, as Bud just mentioned 10 minutes ago, kind of hit when lightning struck there. We'll see. Uh, but the, the Kelly commitment and recruitment and, uh, you know, subsequently getting him to sign, uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye on and it would be a hell of a positive sign if they're able to get that. Uh, across the line yeah and like i i think that the, the question austin asked is interesting because it, he excludes travis hunter but i i think the answer is travis hunter you know like if you go through this the whole thing and somehow that crumbles and you don't sign him that would be that'd be kind of a crushing blow um all right so you may be doing a solo podcast for a week or two if uh, this Travis Hunter thing, which I, I do not think is going to happen. But I will have I, a tough I, time coming to terms with that. Definitely, I think they will sign Travis Hunter. Um, yeah, I believe he tweeted he had already signed, which uh, interesting, interesting. That is that is interesting. Uh, so he says doomed for an even longer term rebuild. Okay, well, I would say Nigel Kelly is a good one there. Um, if you don't sign Marvin Jones Jr., are you doomed for an even longer-term rebuild? I guess technically your rebuild is extended if you don't get an impact pass rusher on the outside. So, I don't know. I guess you could say Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, I think you need to get another offensive tackle for sure in this class. So, maybe Dr. Richardson, a guy who I don't want to say should be a layup, but somebody that you should be able to to sign. So, I, I guess I'll go with, with Richardson. I'm – I'm not really there to where I'm, I'm saying, hey, she needs to sign this five-star defensive end just because he's a legacy, although I think it is an important piece of their recruiting class. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go with Richardson. 
Dave asks, hey, my question regarding everybody's favorite topic, Travis Hunter. As it becomes more and more clear how, of how powerful Hunter's influence is on this recruiting cycle, uh, I'm led to wonder how much direction this type of prospect can receive from the coaches in a highly regulated recruiting landscape. Uh, is the staff allowed to work with him on what kind of social media interactions he has? For example, can they tell him to target certain players, give him quote-unquote content ideas, for lack of a better word, or even use him to communicate indirectly with other prospects? Um, thanks. Oh, thanks so much for the great work, and go Seminoles. Awesome, Dave. Thanks for the question. The answer to all of these is yes. They like if you have a stud recruit like Travis Hunter, who is an awesome recruiter as well. Yeah, you are absolutely making sure that he has guys' phone numbers to set up group chats and just might happen to be on a Zoom call already when you're calling somebody else. Like there are there are way there are ways you you can you can work around some of the regulations and. Look, man, if you've got like a bell cow recruiter, you are absolutely letting him know exactly who you want and also, you know, who you don't want or maybe don't want quite as bad. Because if he's out there, you know, retweeting and hyping up some of these guys who mm-hmm. like, look, every every week I see like the fan base on, on Twitter or, or Insta going nuts over a kid who I've just talked to with the staff and they said, no, he's not a take for us. Like he's actually 5'8", he's not 6'1", right? And the kid's like, oh, I love, I love the Knowles, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go to Florida State, which is awesome for him. But, like, internally, the kid probably knows that I'm not, not actually going to Florida State. Like, you don't want a guy like Travis Hunter to signal boost that kid. Because, A, there's just no, really no, no benefit to it. But, B, there is a downside in that somebody you might actually, might actually want might see Hunter, you know, boosting up that kid who you don't actually want to take. And it might turn off the other kids saying, wait a second, like, where am I really on their board? Do they really want me? Why, why are they all hyping up this kid who I saw at a seven on seven last week and, and he sucks. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think, uh, I think recruits like Travis Hunter are likely extremely informed, uh, whether directly or um, pseudo directly, I guess, indirectly, maybe <laughs> the word I'm looking for here pseudo directly definitely um all right so we'll thank our friends at congruity uh congruityhr.com is the website uh so fortunate uh for us to be able to work with them they've been a great influence uh for us and our small business here uh thrilled that they've been able to partner with two people since joining uh the Nolcast here uh matt lewis great guy avid florida state fan you can look whether or not uh, they can, you know, optimize your business or help you be more efficient. At the same time, while talking about Knowles, uh, 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. Again, Matt Lewis, our friend, uh, give him a call, give him 10 minutes, explore whether or not Congruity would be a good fit for your business. All right. Uh, two more questions before our heart out, maybe three. Uh, Chris says, hey, you both refer to the running back room as solid but not special. How would you compare this group of running backs to the 2009 group of Jermaine Thomas, Ty Jones, and Chris Thompson? Seems like a reasonable comp to me. Thanks for the great show as always. Chris, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I will say that at the time, actually, I think this is a really fair comp. I don't think in the moment it's very fair. As long as we don't expect Chris Thompson to turn into Chris Thompson. The 2012 uh, version of like Barry Bond style Chris Thompson that all of a sudden he came back and he, packed on a boatload of muscle and got even faster. And it was like, wait a second. Like this is like Maurice Jones drew in the backfield now. Yeah. Um, Chris Thompson still playing in the league. Chris Thompson. Too, yeah. By the way, like Chris Thompson turned out awesome. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's actually a pretty fair comparison. A bunch of guys who at the time you would not have projected to play, you know, in the NFL, or if they did play in the NFL, not like, you know, high draft picks. Now Thompson was not a high draft pick, um, but he, he's still on an NFL roster. He does all, all little things well, but that's actually a pretty fair comparison. And, you know, FSU put together a, a very solid run game back in 2009 with that. Dan says, I'm going to the spring game this year. I haven't been to a game since the best game of Willie Taggart's career. In parentheses, the spring game in April 2018. I agree, Dan. That was, uh, that was a, a high water mark, certainly. Uh, for those who will be attendants, what position groups, players, would you recommend keying in on while watching? Okay. Uh, well, I would have to say that I would watch the – I kind of want to watch the battles at the line of scrimmage. Um, but we've seen a lot of those and there's not, I mean, there's some new players there. I, I want to watch the back end of the defense because it's, it's one thing you don't get to see on TV as much. Um, so if you're there, you'll get to see this. And on the TV replay, you won't. So you can go back. If you're a dedicated Knowles fan, like it sounds like Dan is, you can go back and watch the line of scrimmage battles on the TV copy. But because of how these TV cameras shoot stuff, you oftentimes can't watch the back end. So I, I want to see, you know, how are the safeties rotating? How do they pass guys off? Are they playing more man or more zone? Who is where, right? Like is, is Robinson in the nickel spot for the most, most part. Okay. Who comes in for him when he goes off the field, who is, who is rotating here? Who's rotating there. And, you know, kind of get some clues as to where you might see guys lining up in the fall. So I, I would focus on this stuff. Like, don't watch the ball. You know, watch what the secondary is doing would, would, would be my real recommendation. I, I think that's, you know, I, I want to see, you know, how does how does Moore look out there? How, how does he actually, you know, how is he moving in a spring game style atmosphere? We already know Brownlee's pretty solid. But th- that's, that's who I would be looking at. Fair enough. Final question of the morning comes from Murat. I love Murat's questions always. Uh, you know, it makes you think, doesn't it? You, you don't get a standard question. No, I mean, it does make you think. Murat uh, DM'd me, actually said, hey, have you guys ever considered hiring co-hosts to cover Florida State's eSports? Uh, it's not for my generation, but the young kids certainly love it. Uh, if not that, would there be anything else that you guys would consider branching into? So um, I think I speak for Bud when I say that uh, we, we probably won't be doing eSports. I happen to be a believer in that. Not sure that's a great trend for society as a whole, but I won't be Jimbo Fisher for you. But esports are massive currently and are only going to be larger. Um, if you're a Florida State guy considering creating a podcast, um, you're welcome to DM me and I'll try to help you in whatever way as I as I can and as I have with other people. But I would consider rather than doing a Florida State football podcast, which there are many certainly. Um, considering something like esports or something, try to find a, a little bit of a landscape that hasn't been uh, touched and, and see if you can't kind of plant your flag there. As far as for the Nolcast, <clears throat> uh, in its current format, I mean, we've probably taken this podcast uh, about as far as we can, um, as far as the team specific podcast and the instant reactions and the kind of the formula that we have for in season, off season. Um, this isn't going to be immediate, but I can tell you that Bud and I are certainly exploring video. Uh, we will have that up probably by the beginning of this season, if not earlier. Uh, we'll try to figure out how to incorporate that. Uh, we've long since looked at kind of a Twitch model. I don't think that's going to fit for what we do. 
Uh, but we are, you know, we're always looking at things that we can do better or things that we can do to expand uh, what we're offering. And, and we will have some kind of video presence in the, in the future, certainly. Awesome, man. I'm excited about that. And we really appreciate everybody's questions. Where can you reach us? Twitter.com slash Nolcast. Nolcast on Instagram. Nolcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash Nolcast. Really appreciate all of our supporters on there to help keep the show going. And we thank our sponsors as well. Five stars on iTunes if you guys want to. And by the way, it is now follow, not subscribe. Um, I was reading in the podcast industry newsletters that, that I subscribe to that uh, subscri- subscribe implies uh, a financial component and uh, people don't like that. So follow us on your favorite podcast app. It's uh, it's more likely to get people to uh, to listen to your show. So all the po- popular podcast apps are switching the button from subscribe to follow. So yeah, make sure to follow us if you somehow are listening to the show uh, and are in the 58th minute and are not yet following us. So, all right, guys, be well. And we may be back later this week with another episode. We will see. If not, definitely, uh, definitely next week.